I certainly appreciate the opportunity to stand before you for a time to proclaim a portion of God's Word. I want to introduce the subject of the morning by noting a short statement of our Savior from the Sermon on the Mount. A sermon of over 2,200 words. This is just 13 words that we find in Matthew 5 and verse number 41. Christ said, And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. This is the principle of going the second mile, and this is what we would like to consider this morning. I believe it to be a foundational key principle in our discipleship under our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' day, the Romans had a practice called the Roman Mile. When they would conquer a land, they would subjugate that land and rule over it. And one of their laws stated that Roman soldiers could force any of the citizens of those defeated nations to carry their load for a mile. A mile was approximately a thousand steps or paces in their law, roughly 4,860 of our feet as we measure today. This practice was to keep the soldier from getting worn out from carrying a heavy backpack which often weighed about 66 pounds. Roman roads had a mile marker similar to what we have on our interstates today so that it was easy to know where each mile started and each mile ended. If someone was compelled by a soldier to carry this load for a Roman soldier and they refused to do so, they were punished by flogging. This practice, however, wasn't just to conserve the Roman soldier's physical energy. It was put in place so that people would be sure to understand who was in charge. When a Roman soldier took someone to carry his pack or told someone to do that, this Jew would have to drop everything that they were doing and go out of their way to obey this order. The proud Jew would carry it for one mile with spite, with hate, with bitterness, but he would not go one step further than he absolutely had to. He had done what the law required. The Jews hated the Romans because they were Gentile foreigners running their country. They hated them because they had to pay taxes to Caesar. Carrying a Roman soldier's heavy backpack for a mile just added to their hatred. It brought incredible resentment from the Jews. Not only were they living as conquered people, but these Romans were in charge and they ruled over them. And now Jesus Christ is saying, go the second mile. Under consideration of all of these things that were going on, Christ would ask his followers to do double duty. We don't carry Roman backpacks anymore, but I believe that the principles that we learned from this are very, very important. Not only do these teachings correlate directly as we interact with our government and sometimes an adversarial government, 
But these principles apply to many more of the things that we do as Christians. It applies to our relationships at home, at school, on our jobs. It applies as we interact in our communities, as we interact within the body of Christ. Christ is teaching a greater calling than just doing what we have to do as a minimum to get by. Back in verse 20, Christ pointed out, So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, you are unprofitable servants, you have done that which was your duty to do. I've got the wrong passage listed there. That's Luke 17 and 10. Let me read Matthew 5, 20. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Christ taught about the religious elite of that day. And he said, unless your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you will have no part in the kingdom of heaven. These people did what they had to do They were self-righteous, they were hypocrites, they did the minimum, and they would not do any more than that. And they often required more of others than they were willing to give themselves. Christ is teaching here concerning such an attitude. Now from Luke 17 and 10, So likewise, when you have done all these things which are commanded, you say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. When we've done our duty, we've gone the first mile. But Christ asks us to do more than just our duty. When we've done our duty, we are unprofitable servants. But Christ asks for a heart that will go the second mile. In Matthew 5, 46 and 47, For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do you not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do even the publicans the same? Jesus is saying that even an unbeliever would go a mile. He's required to do that anyway. He said, if you love those that love you, you've gone that mile. If you do for those who do for you, you've gone that mile. Jesus is saying to his disciples in this important teaching that we are different. That we do the extra. I believe that people walk three different paths from this perspective. The first of these paths is the path of Satan. And that path leads us to return good with evil. And there's people in our world that we see doing that. Something good is done for them and they return that for evil. The second path is the human path. And you know, out of the goodness of a human heart, about the most we can expect is to have good for good and evil for evil. But when we put Christ into the mix, there's a third path. There's a godly path. And this is the path that will return good for evil. It's an elevated path that we as the disciples of Christ are called to walk. When we return good for good or evil for evil, then we're going the first mile 
That's required, but when we return good for evil, then we're going the second mile. The second mile is a victory mile. The Jew who was carrying that Roman pact the first mile was a slave while he was carrying that pact. He was under the authority of that Roman soldier. But when he carries the pact the second mile, he's no longer a slave. He's the one in, the con in control. He's the one that has decided to take that the second mile of his own volition. Putting Christ into our life and being motivated through love to do extra above just the minimum is the thing in our Christianity that will bring us fulfillment, that will bring us joy, that will help us to live a successful Christian life. If we do the bare minimum, we'll just have enough religion to make us miserable. Just doing what we have to that is required. The devil wants to keep us as his slaves. He doesn't want us to let Christ come into our heart and guide our heart to take us to a calling above our own human calling. And he will do what he can to stop us from going the second mile. It may sound a bit absurd and contradictory, but the minimum required by Christ is to go beyond the minimum. I want us to consider an effort gauge. Before we do that, let's look to Luke 9, 23. And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We are to empty ourselves completely. You know, even God can't fill something up that's already full. And if we're full of ourselves and we're doing our own will, then God can't enter our heart. We have to empty our heart. We have to deny ourselves. And then we have to take up the cross. That's this load that we have to carry. We carry this load willingly because Christ has our heart. And we are going to be a true disciple when we deny self, take up the cross, and follow Him. You know, in our automobile instrumentation, we have a lot of different gauges. We have a speedometer that shows from zero, maybe up to 120, that tells us how fast we're going. We have a heat gauge that it goes from cold to hot that shows us what level the engine temperature is. We have a fuel gauge that shows what is empty and what is full. And this morning, I want to, us to think about an effort gauge, a heart gauge that shows how much we're willing to give to our Lord. In a spiritual sense, where is our effort gauge? Where is our willingness to go above and beyond and to go the extra mile? Christ wants it to be full, not empty. And we want to talk about some various ways this morning, some practical ways that we can implement going the second mile to please our Savior and our Lord. We won't have time to talk about any type of complete list on this, but we've just selected a few things that we want to look at. 
Christ challenges us to go beyond what is expected, to go the second mile in our service to God and others, even our enemies. We're going to look at what it looks like or think about what it looks like to go the extra mile or the second mile with our family, to do that with our church family, to do that with those that are lost, to do that with our enemies. These are areas that we can learn and demonstrate this principle that Christ is giving that we all might be at a closer understanding of what He requires of us. So what does it mean to go the second mile with our family? You know, God instituted our families. He created them to be what He designed them to be, where we can live in this life in a setting that's a peaceful and quiet environment where we can love one another and serve one another to those that we're closest to in our family. Our husbands and fathers are taught very specifically about, about what their role in the home is. In Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. I would ask you today, does this sound like a commandment to do the minimum when it comes to our relationship and serving our mate within our marriages? Some have said that marriage is a 50-50 proposition. But we know that it can't just be a 50-50 proposition. Some say it's a 100 and a 100 proposition. But you know what? Sometimes it's a 90-10 proposition. And sometimes it may switch around and go the other way and it's an 80-20 proposition. But the point is, we need to be willing to go the second mile to make our marriage be what God has called it to be. In Ephesians 6 verse 4, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers are to be the primary force in raising their children and guiding them and teaching them and bringing them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, how are you performing? Are you going the extra mile to give this an extra bit of effort? Are you loving and nurturing your children, not just to raise them to be good citizens, to be good at sports or to be good at business, but what are you doing with extra effort to make sure that they have what they need to grow up as godly people. Many things compete for our attention, and selfish pursuits went out many times over going the extra mile. Yes, we know what our duty is. We're to provide for our children the physical necessities. We're to give them a good environment. And then after that, pretty soon, that effort begins to wane. Christ said we are to go above and beyond in these relationships. And certainly we need to do that as fathers as we lead our families. Men, are we leading our families to Christ? Do we shower our wives and children with our love and attention? Do we nurture them in God's ways? We need to look at that effort meter. 
We need to decide how much effort are we putting into this? How important is this and what would Christ have us to do? Titus 2 verses 4 to 5, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. So the Apostle Paul indicates in this text what is important regarding wives and mothers in the home. So again, we look at this question, ladies, do you do the bare minimum in your God-given role in the family? Are you putting extra effort? Are you going that second mile to show love and attention to your husband and to the children They need your attention and your love to thrive. They need you to go the extra mile. Children, you have a commandment. Ephesians 6, 1 to 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. It's real easy to just do what we have to do when our parents are looking at us or watching us. What about when they're not watching us? Are we honoring them not only with just the bare minimum, but are we trying to do extra to contribute to the family and to the home? This is what Christ would call us as young people to do within the home. Again, In our homes, children, do you do more than expected or is it just the bare minimum required? Do you go beyond the simple obedience and honor your parents? These are questions that we need to answer honestly and that we need to evaluate and that we need to make adjustments in if we're falling short. When all parties fulfill their roles and go the second mile, These family relationships will be strong. These homes will be a place of refuge from an evil world. These homes will give us the things that we need to step forward and do more within the kingdom of Christ. Going the extra mile is not only important in family relations, but I believe the principle applies in all of our relations. Certainly it applies to our relationship to God, to Christ, as we said, within our family, but also it applies within our spiritual family. In Philippians 2 verse 3, the scriptures say, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, lest each esteem other better than themselves. We've had a lot of lessons over the recent months about how we need to interact with one another, how we need to be unified, how we need to love one another. From Romans 14, how we are to interact with one another when we have differences of judgment. All of this boils down to the fact that we need to go the second mile with our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need to esteem others better than ourselves. Colossians 3, verses 12 and 13. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, 
humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. These are just words until we take them and put them in our heart and implement them in the way that we treat our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We need to be motivated by love, to be long-suffering, to be forgiving, to go the extra mile in mercies and humbleness and meekness. These are qualities that Christ taught, and these are qualities that His apostles taught. These are qualities that Christ exemplified perfectly in His life. Christ never asked His followers to do anything that He was not willing to do Himself. And He did all of these things perfectly. We need to take up the mantle and we need to travel the second mile when it comes to dealing with those in our spiritual body. Imagine the strength of this congregation if every member determined to go the second mile. Not begrudgingly, not resentful, not because we're forced to, but because we are motivated from inside to follow Christ and to implement these attitudes every day that we walk the face of the earth. The same could be said regarding the lost. What is our care? What is our level of effort when it comes to reaching out to those that are lost? In Luke 14, verse 23, Christ said, So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in either the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Christ uses this parable to illustrate how his house was to be filled up. You know, those that would have been expected to come and fill the house were unwilling to come. And so Christ said, you need to go out there and you need to invite people and you need to bring them in and fill the house. Let's think back to that image of the Roman soldier and a Jew that was forced to carry that pack for a mile. What if that Roman soldier said to a Christian, Hey, you, pick up my pack and carry it. Yes, sir. The Christian picks the pack up and then he joyfully walks along beside the soldier. And he has a friendly conversation with him and asks him, Do you have a family? Are you married? Do you have children? Where are you from? Instead of mumbling in hatred and resentment, what if he portrayed an attitude of care toward someone who was lost? Someone who might need to know about Christ. And when they traveled down the path and they got to the beginning of the second mile, the soldier said, okay, you've done your duty. Now you can put that down and walk the mile to get back to where we started. But what if that Christian said, you know what, there's a water well down the road another mile, I know where we can get a drink of water. What if I just carry this another mile and go with you and help you out with this? Would that soldier be more inclined on the first 
description we gave of that resentment and bitter service that's done because it has to be done, would he be influenced by that person or by the person who went the second mile because he chose to do that? We know the answer to that question. That soldier would probably, in fact, say, why are you doing this? I've never had anybody do this for me before. And that would be the perfect opportunity for that Christian to say, you know what, Christ taught me the importance of going the second mile. And I'm carrying this because of Jesus Christ, my Savior. Maybe the soldier would inquire, well, who is this Jesus? And then he would have an opportunity to tell a lost person about our Redeemer, our Savior, and the one that saves our soul. When we go the second mile in our effort toward people, when we go out of our way to try to serve people, and we're always ready to give an answer of the reason of a hope that is within us, then we will find opportunities to reach the lost. This congregation has a reputation in the community of serving others, of making blankets, of praying for those that are in need, of giving help, food, encouragement, cards, calls, texts. People are doing these things that show they want to go that second mile. And because of that, Many people are interested to know what's different. Why are people going the second mile? For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I would venture to say that anyone in this building... If we left after the services and we saw somebody fall down and injure themselves, would rush to their aid and try to pick them up and help them, get them to the doctor, whatever they need, needed for that physical care. And yet we go every day and we pass people that we know they're lost. We know they need information to help them get to a better place spiritually. And we do not love them enough or see the value in their soul enough to speak up. There's a song in our book, it's number 450. The title of the song is, You Never Mentioned Him to Me. When in the better land before the bar we stand, how deeply grieved our souls will be if any lost one there should cry in deep despair, you never mentioned him to me. Oh, let us spread the word where'er it may be heard. Help groping souls the light to see that yonder none may say, you showed me not the way, you never mentioned him to me. A few sweet words may guide a lost one to his side or turn sad eyes on Calvary. So work as days go by that yonder none may cry, you never mentioned him to me. You never mentioned Him to me. You helped me not the light to see. You met me day by day and knew I was astray. Yet you never mentioned Him to me.
how's our effort meter? Are we going just that first mile when it comes to people? Just when we're put on the spot, well, we'll, we'll talk about Christ, but, you know, we do so even reluctantly. Reluctantly, We need to see these needs and we need to follow the principle that Christ taught us to go the extra mile. And yes, we're called on, even with our enemy, to go the second mile. Let's go back to the context of Matthew 5, and I want us to look at some of these specifics. Christ taught a general principle here, but along in this greater context, we see of some of the things that He was talking about. In verse number 35, the Bible says, "...but I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also." Christ wasn't talking about the person that was trying to injure another individual. He was talking about the person that was insulting that individual. Striking somebody on their right cheek was just to insult them. And Christ said, even when you're insulted and degraded and put down by other people, go the second mile. Verse 40, if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Christ is not talking about a robber here that comes into your house and you offer him everything he wants and open the safe for him and let him have everything willingly. He's talking about a dispute where you're proven to be wrong in, in, under the law. And if you're proven to be wrong under that law, he says, don't just give your coat, but give your cloak also. These are commandments that Christ gave so that we could see what he was talking about. These are things that humanly we are incapable of doing. It's only when we embrace Christ and we determine to walk the second mile that we'll be able to do things such as what Christ taught. Look at verse 42. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Do good to other people. Always be really willing and ready not to do the bare minimum, maybe that they've asked for, but do more. Verse 44, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. True charity seeks the welfare of others even when they might hate us. Even when they might abuse us and wrongfully use us. We often cry out because we are being treated unfairly. Maybe it's a minor thing that we don't feel like's completely fair, so we, we set up a howl and we're complaining. Christ in these four different places in the Sermon on the Mount said no matter how others treat us, we are to return good for evil. Remember what the second mile is? It's returning good for evil. Not good for good. Anybody would do that. Not evil for evil. That's our human inclination. But it's re to return good 
for evil, even when people are spitefully using us in all of these different ways. Someone said, I'm not Christ, I can't do these things. That's an excuse because when Christ lives in us and we're focused and determined to go the second mile, we'll have the ability to do that. Paul echoed the very things that Christ taught in Matthew 5. Romans 12, 17 to 20. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. I want to stop there just a second. Because there's a condition placed on living peaceable with all men. The condition is, as much as life within you. There's some situations that we don't have control over. We still have to stand up for right, what's right. We still have to do the right thing. But it may not always be peaceful because someone else chooses to turn away from peace. But we are to always, when it's within our ability to do so, we're to leave, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, for rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink, for in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head." Again, just a few words on a page or up on the screen. These words sound beautiful theoretically. Do we practice these words? Do we implement these things in our life? Do we give Christ our heart in these ways to the point that we truly are willing to love our enemy and to carry His load the second mile? We are required of Jesus Christ, even with our enemies, to put out the second effort. Here's that heart meter again. Doesn't mean anything, just an image on the screen. But within us is a heart of emotions, the core of who we are. And we know who we are. No one else knows exactly we see the fruit of people and, and we have some idea. But inside and who we are and emotionally where we're at, effort-wise where we're at is between us and God. And we need to make a true assessment of these issues that we've talked about this morning and we need to be a different person if we're not who Christ called us to be. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and to, took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross." 
God created mankind. He put him in a beautiful garden. And it was his will that Adam and Eve and all of their descendants live forever in that garden. He gave us a chance. We blew it, didn't we? We sinned. God has every right to punish mankind for that sin. And if he was going the first mile, he provided those things that we needed, but we messed up. If he was like many of us, he would have stopped right there. But God went the second mile. He formed a redemptive plan to send his son to this earth to die for us. What about Christ? Did he do the bare minimum just to please God and nothing else? Christ went the second mile in every way that we can think of. And He did that for you and I. And He's asked us to replicate those attitudes and that heart in our life. Christ learned obedience by going to die on the cross. The things that He's asked us to do are very minimal compared to what Christ has done for us. What will we do for Him? How will we respond? Christ said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Christ has commanded us to go the second mile. But God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's our motivation. We may start out because of fear and duty when it comes to serving God, but we should be able as we mature to see what God has done for us and our motivation should be driven by love for God, by gratitude for what He's done for us. And when we have these types of hearts, then we will take every opportunity to serve Christ and to serve our fellow man. We're going to offer an invitation at this time. We don't know your heart, but if you desire to become a child of God this morning, believing in Christ, being willing to repent of your past, being willing to confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, this morning you can be buried in baptism and become a child of His. If you're here this morning and your life is not what you would like for it to be in your service to Christ, you would like the prayers of the church to encourage and help you along the way, we would ask one of either class to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.